What does the Bible really say about foreigners? Spoken by Pastor IJ. We are currently on the series called What Does the Bible Really Say? And today's topic is on foreigners. Um, as many of you know, some of you may know, some of you don't, but I actually became a US citizen about two years ago. I grew up in this country. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I grew up in this country my whole life, but um, you know, had some complications. And I became a US citizen about like two years ago. And um, I'm gonna be real with you, I never really thought I was a foreigner because uh, I grew up in Fort Lee, New Jersey. So um, if you don't know about Fort Lee, New Jersey, it's like, you know, like 60% Korean, 30% Chinese, and then like 10% other. Um, so it's a lot, of, a lot of Asian Americans there. I never really felt like foreign. Um, but you know, time to time, I'm reminded by this great nation. I, I am definitely a foreigner in this country in one way or another. And uh, this is what I mean. So I, I was up in uh, uh, the Pacific Northwest. I was in Washington State going down to Oregon. And um, when I was going down, I was heading up the falls. And I, you know, like I, I had to stop by a gas station, so I just did. Went to a gas station, lined up. But I guess for the guy in front of me, I was a little too close. So he just got a little you know, upset. He was like, oh, I'm going to show him a chank, you know, whatever. And I was like, all right. And then uh, the guy behind me, he was like this like old war veteran. He just comes up to me. He's like, man, that was real mean, huh? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all good. You know, he's super nice, super empathetic. And then he just drops a, must be hard being a gook in this country. And then I was like, I was like, oh, okay, all right. I'm a foreigner to you and to you. All right, that's great. But, you know, that really humbled me because I realized I'm a foreigner to someone, but someone's always also gonna be a foreigner to me. I think it's about perspective, right? If, if like for them, you know, especially that war veteran, if all he knows of people that look like me are, are from the Vietnam War, you know, then like that's all he will ever understand. So that was really humbling. Although I'm a foreigner to them, someone will always be a foreigner to me. So what exactly is a foreigner specifically in the Bible? So the Bible talks about foreigners in many different categories, but I wanna talk about the foreigner in three specific categories. Uh, the first one's immigrants um, slash refugees. Second one is foreigners in the aspect of generational cultural gap. Sometimes people are foreign because we don't understand them. Um, and the third is foreigner as the least of these. Maybe they're foreign because we just neglect them and make them invisible. So reg regardless of whatever you classify as a foreigner, the Bible states this one truth is to welcome the foreigner. Say it, welcome the foreigner, all right? That's the main point of today's sermon, especially for youth group. If y'all like, I see our, some of you just like, you know, dazing out. Remember, it's welcome the foreigner, okay? All right, if mom and dad ask you what you learned, welcome the foreigner, that's what you say. If they say what you want for dinner, you say welcome the foreigner, okay? That's what you say. But anyways, in this sermon though, I'm gonna look deeper at how how exactly do we welcome the foreigner? We see it 22, about 22 times in the Bible, welcome the foreigner, but how do we exactly do that? So before we take a dive into the text, let's pray, let's pray. God of grace, mercy, and love, thank you for your word. Father, um, someone is always gonna be a foreigner to us as much as we will always be a foreigner to another. Father, in this society where we just like demonizing the other person because they don't understand us or we just want to put them in a category because they're just different, God, we need your love. We need your love. Um, and more than anything, God, more than anything, may we just be humbled and reminded that and uh, 
understanding this biblical truth that we were once foreigners to you, but yet you welcomed us regardless. Not because we come from one political party or another, not because we come from one back, ethnic background or another, but you welcomed us regardless. So who are we to say otherwise? So Lord, through your word, help us to welcome the foreigner or whoever is foreign to us. And I pray in your son's name, amen. amen. All right, so uh, the first way of welcoming the foreigner, we welcome the foreigner by partnering with them, partnering with. I'm gonna read a passage from Genesis 12, verse one to three. It says this, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see what's crazy about Genesis 12 is that God chose Abraham. And we have to ask the question, why? Why did God choose Abraham? You know, some of you might under, uh, from, remember from your childhood, oh, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons of Father Abraham. That's actually not why. Or maybe it's like, oh, Abraham, he's, the, he's like the, you know, the, the, her, the hero of the faith. He's, he's known as this faithful guy. Or even if, whether you're Christian or not, many of you have heard about the Abraham and Isaac story. He went up to the mountain. He was about to sacrifice his son out of blind obedience. But that is not why God chose Abraham. God chose Abraham because God is a God of grace. You have to understand the thing about Abraham is he's a pagan worshiper. He is a pagan worshiper. And what we see later down in the Bible is Abraham's actually a rapist and he's a liar too. He's a lot of nasty things, but God chooses, God chooses to partner with someone that absolutely does not deserve his love. But that's because that's the kind of God we worship. We worship a God that gives good things to people that don't deserve it. We worship a God that partners with people that absolutely do not deserve it. So this God, he tells Abraham that I'm gonna make you great, but I'm not gonna make you great for the sake of you being great. I'm actually gonna make you great because through you, I'm gonna bless the whole world. I'm gonna bless the whole world. God not only promises to make Abraham great, but he actually empowers him and he chooses to partner with him. I think this is so beautiful because what, you, what we all have to understand is that God, he can do absolutely anything and everything. Actually, it's easier if God doesn't partner with Abraham. It's, Abraham's making the, this journey a lot slower for God. It's probably more effective if God just did it alone, but God is a God of grace, mercy, and love, amen? And he chooses to partner with the foreigner to bless the world. So I challenge you, Metro, if God welcomes the foreigner by partnering with him, who are you to say otherwise? How dare we say, nah, I'm good. Our country today, we have either rejected and demonized the foreigner, or we have patronized and belittled the foreigner by just doing things for them. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking a lot about, especially in our Christian community, when we do mission trips. And that's great. I, I actually love mission trips and I wish we do more of it. You know, I know COVID kind of messed it up, but I think mission trips are necessary. But a lot of times when we try to help people, we just do things for them. We never think about doing things with them. But if God has partnered with the foreigner, you better think twice before you do something for someone just because you can you better think about partnering with them and maybe you could learn a thing or two. 
Uh, my, my soulmate, Gio, and there's a picture up there, uh, he, he's one of my closest friends. Um, and uh, recently, he started picking up Spanish and Korean. What you got to understand about Gio, he's Indonesian. Um, and on his Instagram story, he's like a lot of Spanish, a lot of Korean. I'm like, oh, what made you suddenly pick up these languages? And the reason he gave to me is because, hey, like, you know, he lives in um, L.A. And I don't know if you know about L.A., but there's a lot of Latino people in, in L.A. And him specifically, because he's in ministry, there's a lot of Korean people there, too. So he started realizing, dang, like I'm constantly in vicinity with Latino immigrants and Korean immigrants, but I don't really understand them. I don't know them. And Gio, being the humble man he is, he's like, yeah, like I want to do life with them. I know I can Google Translate. I know I could just go read a book, but I want to do life with them. I want to understand their native tongue. And he, he actually told me personally why he wanted to do, uh, learn Korean is because he told me he had a dream that we were speaking to each other in Korean. And he woke up like, with like, tears in his eyes. Like, yo, what, that's so beautiful. I was like, I didn't get that dream. You know? <laughs> I felt so simple, man. I'm like, dang, I'm going to learn Indonesian now. But um, no, like, I'm like, dang, yo, this guy's so humble, so beautiful. But then I realized, you know, that's the heart of God. God is a God who does life with you. Let's be real. We are all foreigners to God. We do things shameful to God every day. He could easily be like, I'm done with you and I'm going to just get it done my way. But God chooses to enter into relationship with you. Who are we to say otherwise? Partner, partnering, it can make the journey longer, but it makes it so much sweeter. So welcome the foreigner by partnering with communities, with specifically immigrant communities. That's what it means to welcome someone. The second way we see in the Bible of welcoming the foreigner is by pursuing reconciliation. Pursuing reconciliation. Um, so I'm going to read from Genesis 16, 7 to 10. But before I, I read that, uh, so the same guy, the guy I just told you about, Abraham, the guy that God just was like, hey, I'm going to partner with you. This same guy... What, what's ironic about Genesis 16 is like him and his wife, they actually go against God a couple chapters later. Um, and what's crazy is they end up abusing their immigrant slave, Hagar. And just giving context to this, what you have to understand is God's telling Abraham, hey, I'm going to use you and through you and with you, I'm going to bless the world. How are you going to bless the world, the nations, the generations? You need kids. Think about that. God Almighty comes before you, say, I'm going to do that, but you don't have kids for 10 years. That's scary. You're probably going to think to yourself, I don't think God actually talked to me. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe that was just all in my head. Maybe I should do something so God approves of me. You start thinking about all these thoughts. And that's what Abraham and Sarah did. They started getting super anxious. So they, 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 Abraham forces himself upon Hagar so that he could find a child his own way. What is ironic about this is actually Hagar, her name in Hebrew, it means the foreigner. So it's the foreigner abusing the foreigner. It's crazy, but this is what God does. Even though we choose to be like Abraham and Sarah a lot of days, this is what God does. This is Genesis 16, 7 to 10. 
The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. I read this for us because the beautiful thing about our God is that he pursues reconciliation. Abraham and Sarah, quite frankly, they don't pursue reconciliation, but God does. God gives and sees Hagar, the victim in this story, and actually assures her, hey, I see you and I'm gonna bless you, but go back and reconcile. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna reconcile that relationship for you. Sometimes the foreigners are not those out there or behind the walls, Sometimes the foreigners are those within our own families, in our own upbringing. Sometimes the foreigners are those we have cultural and generational differences with. Sometimes the foreigner has hurt us deeply, but we're called to pursue reconciliation because that's what it means to welcome them. Even if they hurt you, that's what it means to welcome them. You need to pursue reconciliation. You know, I bring this all up because I think a lot of us, uh, like I said, when we think about a foreigner, we think of someone out there uh, usually someone by the borders of Mexico, someone who's going to refugee camps. Those are true, but that's not really challenging for our congregation, is it? I think what's challenging for our congregation is to actually reconcile with your ethnic communities. I know some of you, maybe you didn't really grow up in ethnic communities, but majority of you who are Asian American, you came from that kind of a background. As someone who is a Korean American, I grew up in the Korean American church and I can, I can vouch that there's always this tension between first and second generations. There's always a language barrier, a cultural barrier, a generational barrier. And we've been hurt and it's wrong. But I, when I meet a lot of people at Metro, which are some of you, I hear the story or a common phrase, Yo, I'm so glad I'm at Metro, we all speak English. There's gonna be no issues here. Or I'm so glad this is not like my toxic Korean church, my toxic Latino church, my toxic Taiwanese church. You compare it to them. I'm so glad nobody's really abusive, oppressive, gossiping. But quite frankly, what I wanna challenge our church is if you don't reconcile with those communities, the difference between you and those ethnic communities, you just speak English. We are just as abusive, we are just as toxic, we are just as manipulative, we are just as gossiping as those churches, as those foreigners. I know this is not an easy task, and I know for many of you, you are deeply, deeply hurt. But we are called to pursue reconciliation, not because Abraham and Sarah did that, but because God did. And if God pursues reconciliation, who are you to say otherwise? I get it, I know how hard it is to pursue reconciliation. Uh, many of you know, but I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad is a Korean American pastor. And um, you know, some of you have heard my story of our reconciliation journey. It was really difficult. It was really, really hard. Um, but you know, we ended up reconciling. Um, however, the thing with reconciliation is, or any relationship, you're gonna end up hurting each other quite often. <laughs> I hurt him, he hurts me. And this reconciliation, it's a, non it's, an, um, it, it's a process that keeps on going and going and going. Uh, but recently, we had to reconcile. <laughs> um, so some of you know, I, I got ordained um, in, in June all the way in Kansas City, Missouri. 
Um, and if you don't know what ordination is, it's, it's when the, the pastors of our denomination, you, we come together and we affirm God's calling in your life. It's a real big special ceremony. And I had the uh, opportunity and privilege to ask one pastor in my life who I just view so intimately to pray for me. That's a very intimate moment. I was gonna ask Pastor Peter, but he told me to ask my dad. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll ask my dad. So I asked my dad and he's like, yeah, oh my gosh. He was like, yeah, I thought you were gonna ask Pastor Peter. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's like, yeah, you know, like I'd love to do that. So he had one job, you're just gonna pray. It's very easy, just one job. But he messed that up. So what ended up happening is we, we lined up, you know, I got on my knees, I was there. Um, and all of a sudden, I just felt this big old hand on my head. And that's when I knew this ain't my dad. Yo, is that, is that picture up there? You know what it was? Look at that. It was a white guy praying for me. And my dad, he's praying for another Korean guy. Yo, what the heck? No, 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 no. Like, 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 hear me out. Dad, you had one job. You flew from Jersey to Missouri. I'm gonna be real, I didn't even know Missouri was a state, all right? Like, I got 2.7 GPA at high school, I don't know my states, so we're going to a land uh, God knows where. You're gonna pray for a random Korean guy you just met? You don't even have to look at our faces, we don't look alike. I know some white people are like, I um, think you all look uh, pretty similar. We don't, all right? I know the pictures, they don't do justice, but like, that other Korean guy, he has some ashy skin, I got good one. There's no way you can mistake us, but he did. Yo, do you understand how embarrassed I felt? You know what was even more embarrassing? Pastor Peter comes up to me and he's like, yo, why did he do that? I'm like, I don't know. My girlfriend at the time, but now she's my fiance. Woo! Oh yeah. But even Ruth was like, why did he do that? I don't know. I wanna tell you, but I don't know. And I was furious. I had to drop off my family and, and my fiance to another Airbnb because I was staying with Pastor Peter at a hotel. So I was driving, I went like 70 miles per hour in 25 mile per hour zone. I was so mad. It doesn't matter, it's Missouri, nobody's there. But anyways, I was like so mad. It took me two weeks to get over. But you know, my friend Gio, the, one, the first picture I showed you, he was like, um, he really had to walk me through this. He's like, I, just, I know you are angry. And I would be so upset too. This was your moment. But I, I just wanna really challenge you as, as a brother who loves you. Can you just understand where your dad's coming from? I'm like, no. <laughs> but, but he's like, yeah, understand where your dad's coming from. Like your dad, this first generation Korean pastor, he's going to a non-Korean space. He's going to your denomination ceremony with your denomination rules and your denomination's policies. He could have just pushed everyone aside to pray for you, but out of respect for your ceremony, he just chose to stay in line. I know that's not how you want to be loved, but can you understand where your dad's coming from? That he was doing his best to love you. That he did what he believed was the least embarrassing thing to you. And that really humbled me. You know, I got to talk that with my dad. And yeah, like, like when, he, when, it, when I heard it come from his mouth and he's like, I'm really sorry. I just thought I did what was best for you. How could I hate him? How could I get mad? 
And that we had such a beautiful reconciling moment. And I share that with all of you because maybe some of you in this church, you've been deeply, deeply hurt by someone, maybe in your own family, maybe it's your own ethnic community, that you had a cultural or generational gap. And you were like, no, clearly I'm in the wrong and they messed up. But can you please pursue reconciliation? Not because you're going to be a better person, but because that's what God did for us. God pursued reconciliation when there was absolutely no way to reconcile. Pursue reconciliation. Specifically for youth group kids, what I want to encourage you, can you welcome your parents whom sometimes they're foreign to you. You don't understand them. Sometimes their world might be so different from yours. But can you welcome them? Welcome them and pursue reconciliation because that's what God did for you in your life. And can you please give your parents the benefit of the doubt that they truly are doing their best. It might not be your best. It might not be how you want to be loved. But that's their best. They're doing the best they can with what they have and with who they are. Pursue reconciliation. Welcome the foreigner by pursuing reconciliation. And the last point I have for us is welcome the foreigner by providing for the least of these. We turn to Genesis 17. I'm going to read Genesis 17, 4 to 9. This is what happens. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God, the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. What's so beautiful about this, I just read Genesis 16, Abraham, he really messed up. But even then, God is entering into this covenant with a foreigner. He is continuing to enter into a covenant and not letting go. But unfortunately, Abraham and his offsprings and the generations, they mess up. They keep messing up. If some of you are a little too lazy to read the Old Testament, I'll sum it up for you. Is Israel just messing up. God is like, welcome the foreigner, abuse the foreigner. Love the foreigner, oppress them. You know, welcome the foreigner, manipulate. That, that's Israel. Israel's messing up. God's redeeming them. Israel's messing up. God's reconciling. Israel's, Israel is constantly messing up. They are breaking the covenant time and time again. But actually, when you read Genesis 17 and when God is saying you and your offspring, it's not actually multiple offsprings, but it's one offspring. And that offspring is Jesus Christ. That offspring, that one true offspring is Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he chooses to enter into Abraham's genealogy. He chooses to enter into a broken family. He chooses to enter into a broken family to fulfill the covenant. And he promises of not just eternal possession, but an eternal life and an eternal relationship with God. But this free gift, it comes at a hefty cost. And I know that's kind of weird to say. It's like, how's it free? But it's costly. It's free because you didn't earn it, but it's costly because it, your life is not your own. 
And this is what Jesus commands. This is what Jesus commands of us in Matthew 25, 31 to 41. This is what he commands. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king replied, truly I told to you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You did it for me. I don't know if some of you know this, but uh, uh, Metro, we have a prison pen pal ministry. And what we do is uh, we set up some Metro uh, church members with uh, a brother in our East State Jersey uh, prison in the Church of the Reconciled, and we're pen pals. We just write back and forth. And I have a privilege and honor to be a pen pal for a brother. Uh, it's been a real joy. We were just writing back and forth, back and forth, just sharing a lot about life. Um, he is in his 60s. I'm in my 20s, but still, we're just sharing a lot of life, and there's a lot of things we actually connect on. Um, but recently, as in like the past two months, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't faithful in writing back to him. And for a while, I kind of felt justified. I was like, God, I had an ordination. I had an engagement. I had three retreats. I'm a pastor, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just excuses. At the end of the day, what God convicted me is, Ajay, what you did for this brother, you did for me. If you neglect this brother, you are neglecting me. And I would encourage us, many of us are faithful churchgoers. Many of us have Christian ethics. Many of us do Bible studies in small groups. But I want to encourage you, what we do for the least of these, we do to God. And maybe some of you in this congregation are like, well, I don't really have a pen pal. So like, uh, I can't really relate, you know, it's all well. But I want to encourage our congregation, check up on the least of these in our own church. This could be the poor. This could be someone who's differently abled. But it could also be someone that you just neglect because it, they are just so foreign to your life stage. I want to give a special shout out for two people. I'm not saying this is the only people, but two people I believe in our congregation are sometimes the least of these are people who are elderly. Because I think a lot of times we're known as like a young hip church. And sometimes elderly folks, they're overlooked and they're not cared for. And I want to encourage specifically those of us in our 20s and 30s, you know, let's like enter into a relationship with them. They might not know everything in life, but man, they are your brothers and sisters. Welcome them. You don't need to provide money. You don't need to provide resources necessarily, but you could provide empathy. You could provide respect. You could provide relationship. And other folks in our community, I feel like are, are the least of these are the singles community. Yo, shout out to the singles community. What's up? Yeah. 
But a lot of times, singles community, I don't know what it is. Like, people just avoid us. Like, we're the plague. We're like, whoo. You know? It's like, everyone's just trying to dodge us. Like, I, I, I got a brother, I, I got a friend who uh, recently got married. Um, and man, like, the way he talks about, like, his singlehood in the past, he's like, oh, man, I remember when I was single. I'm like, bro, you were single last week. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, we just, or like, there's like this thought of like, oh, they're single. They must have all the time in their hands. You imagine if King Solomon was single, you know, and all of Israel would probably get pissed at him, but he has 700 wives, 300 concubines. Everyone's like, oh, he's, he's busy. <laughs> Let's respect his time. But a lot of times with singles, like we're so neglected. We're undervalued. And a lot of times it feels like we're foreigners in our own church. So I want to invite us as a church. Can we please welcome the foreigner by providing a space, providing respect, providing empathy for the least of these? The foreigner is not always someone out there and completely different. The foreigner could be someone within our own vicinity whom we neglect and distance from just because they're different. Oh, yo, but I want to clarify with the elderly folk. Yo, be careful. I know it's subjective, but you, you got to be careful how you define elderly. <laughs> like, don't be going to someone in their 40s like, you know, I heard Pastor I just told me to love the elderly folks. <laughs> it's like, you got to be careful with that. Yeah. Yo, that happened to me. Re- Actually, yesterday I was at a youth group volleyball tournament, and one of the kids was like, like we were playing with a couple of the churches, um, and then one of the kids was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Pastor I grew up in Fort Lee. I'm like, oh, yo, I went to Fort Lee too. Like, I went through the whole Fort Lee school system. He's like, do you know my parents? I'm like, no, I, I, yo, they're like 50. I'm like 27. Come on now. Yeah, so be careful how you, uh, you know, define elderly. Let's, let's, let's be careful now. But anyways, um, so I wrap up today's sermon. What does the Bible really say about foreigners? It says to welcome the foreigner. We are called to welcome the foreigner. And how do we welcome the foreigner? We welcome the foreigner by partnering with them. We welcome the foreigner by pursuing reconciliation and we welcome the foreigner by providing for the least of these. And why do we do so? It's because God, it is because God partners with us even when we make this journey a lot slower than it should be. It's because God, God of grace, mercy, and love, he pursues reconciliation even when a lot of times we are the agents of broken relationships, amen? A lot of times we're the ones who break the relationship, but God pursues it. But God pursues it. And we do this because God, God provided his one and only son for the foreigners. You and I who are foreigners to God, he provided his one and only son for the least of these. Let's pray. God of grace, mercy, and love. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for being a gracious God, a merciful God, a loving God who enters into this relationship with us. You partner with us to do your mission even though we mess up a lot. Sometimes we're the reason foreigners exist. Sometimes the church We are the one who create foreigners. We abuse them, we hurt them. But you still choose to partner with this church. If you do that, who are we to say otherwise? Thank you God for pursuing reconciliation even though we are the agents of brokenness. 
Thank you, God, that you provide for the least of these, even though sometimes we are the ones who create the least of these. But Father, it is very clear in Scripture, we are called to welcome the foreigner, whomever that might be, whether they are beyond the walls, whether they are within our own homes, whether they are within our own churches. Help us, Father, to welcome the foreigner because you, you have welcomed us. Thank you, and I pray in your son's name, amen.